Can you hear me now? Okay, rhyme that song back up because that was really a cool intro. Keep the fire burning. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Uh, but it's a challenge. So would you guys pray for me? And I'll pray for you guys. Father God, I pray for tonight. And again, I lift up all those prayer requests from Annette to my sister and all the other prayer requests. Are, hey, you are a busy God, but you know what? You are a good, good father, and we expect to hear from you tonight. Give us the ear of Samuel that we would hear what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just finished this uh, study on Ephesians. You guys remember it? Good. It was only like a week ago. That's good. Really getting somewhere. Uh, and, and Ephesians, if you remember, it was a church that was planted. Ephesians, or Ephesus, what a gnarly place. Worse than high hell. It was just a bad place. There was lots of stuff. And if you don't believe me, Google it and look it up and look at what they were doing in Ephesus at the time that this was going on. It was a bad, 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 bad place. But what a great place for the gospel, right? So uh, we're doing a series, a brand new series. We're going to go over the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Everybody say Revelation. It's not book of Revelations. It's Revelation. There were seven churches there that... Uh, Five were reprimanded pretty hard. Only two of the seven didn't get reprimanded. So I'm going to start with Ephesus tonight. Uh, but first, I got a story. You guys like my stories, right? Humor me. So back in the day when I had hair, I met Lynn. And I was like, wow, what a hottie. It didn't start out like much. I didn't <laughs> I'm getting the look. We didn't discuss this part. But it didn't start out. I didn't start the relationship thinking someday we'd be married and we'd have children. We'd be pastoring and all that stuff. I was just like, she is fine. And so am I at the time. At least she thought so, and that was good enough for me. Well, we, we started this relationship, and it was, a, it was a big deal. I couldn't stand to be apart from her in the beginning. Hold on, I'm getting to the good stuff. Just calm down. So we, uh, we started out this thing, and, and we, we spent all of our time together to the point that she made me drop out of college. Just kidding. We kind of got lost in love. Lost in love. I didn't know much. You know, that whole thing, air supply. Well, there we were. And uh, what happened was apparently her dad got a progress report <laughs> and said, you're coming home right now. I said, you can't. You can't can't leave me here by myself. This is not going to happen. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come home every weekend, drive from Mizzou. Of course, I didn't do, wasn't doing any of my work because I was just thinking about her all the time. So I would drive home, and then uh, prior to that, uh, she would come and visit me. Every weekend she would come up. Well, her sister came up and dragged her up. Down. Sis her sister was my school supplier in school. Okay, so that was Lynn's sister. It was a ripoff, but she just seemed to be whatever. So she would come up, and then she would take Lynn back. But she came up this one particular time, and I was like, I, I, just, in, in, I just can't do it. I'm going to drive back and follow you two. And then what happened was Lynn goes, well, if you're going to do that, why don't I just ride with you? We'll follow Lori. Now, follow the absurdity of that, because Lori drove all the way there to pick her up, and then we both followed her all the way home. They didn't talk for like a week, because she was so upset. Why didn't you just drive her home yourself, you idiot? I said, I, 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 we weren't planning on it. But my point to this was, we couldn't stand to be apart. It was a brand new relationship. Do you remember when you got saved? Well, you was, I was there when it happened. Remember that when you first got saved and you couldn't wait to spend time with Jesus. Everything you read jumped off the pages. It was amazing and you couldn't believe, especially you two. Well, just kidding. We couldn't believe that we were saved, that the God of heaven, first of all, had called our name and we responded and somehow he wanted to start a relationship with us because we in this church have always been that guy. 
So when Jesus comes along, he goes, it's that guy that I want. It's a pretty amazing thing, right? Remember those days? But then you get sophisticated. Then you start thinking differently, right? And we leave our first love. And then, rather than using the Bible as a mirror, we use it as a microscope to look at other people's lives. What they are doing or shouldn't be doing, and maybe they ought to be a little more like me. We forget. So that's kind of a little bit what's going on here in this book. Uh, now remember, they wouldn't have been meeting in a fancy building like we have. Incidentally, did you see the new Welcome Center and Buffet? But they wouldn't have met in a place like this. They would have met in home churches in and around Ephesus, maybe 13, 15, 20, I don't know. But they would have been pockets of churches in and around the area, home churches, and each would have a, like an elder over it kind of thing, a pastor. And then that's the way it was. Sometimes we get confused when we think they're just meeting in big buildings like this, this in this mega church. I like them. So, uh, turn to your Revelation, chapter 2. <laughs> okay, let me say this about the book of Revelation. You guys have heard of John Calvin, founder of Calvinism? Have you read all of his books? You're a liar if you have, because they're like that big. Anyway, uh, this is the only book, Revelation, that John Calvin never wrote a commentary on. Why? Because there's a lot of things that embrace the mystery of a, some of it, right? Some of it's okay just to embrace the mystery. And supposing back in the day when all the prophets were looking forward to the Christ coming, how do you think they reconciled he's a, a suffering servant or he's a man of sorrows and they balance that with the coming king, the king of Judah. Or the, how? So they probably had a, a particular, they were looking for something, and when it came, it was entirely different. When they said things like, um, by his stripes, we are healed. What do you think they, you know there was somebody out there, I've got it figured out. I'll tell you what it is. He's going to be riding a zebra. You see, I know, and we're going to make a whole doctrine Jesus is going to come on a zebra. That's what's going to happen. And we know that when he actually came, he was bruised for our iniquities, crushed for our sins. The punishment that was ours was on him. Now we know because we're looking back at an event that happened. I suspect that Revelation is a little bit like that. There's some things in there we just don't know. And I'm okay with that. You guys okay with that? Embrace the mystery. I'm not saying you shouldn't read it, study it. In fact, it's the only book that promises you'll be blessed if you do study and read it, right? So you should, but don't be telling your friend you got it all figured out because you don't. Or don't be telling your friend that, well, I heard that MacArthur had it all figured out. I don't think he does either. Oh, I know, I know. Or, or Luther or any Augustine or anybody else. You don't. You just don't have it figured out, and that's okay. So. Here we go. Does anybody know what revelation means? Unveiling, uncovering. So here we are. We're going to uncover some stuff. Here he is. This is Jesus saying, I'm going to read it all, and we'll go back and kind of dissect it for the next couple hours. Let's see if you guys are paying attention. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. So Jesus comes and said, pick up your pen. John, I want you to write this down. And, and, and John at the time is on the island of, okay. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Isn't that great? But I have this against you. 
that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, right off the bat, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, the words of him who holds the seven stars. The seven stars are ministers or leaders of the churches. Okay? So here's John writing this letter to give to the leaders or the messengers of the churches who walks among the golden lamps or seven golden lampstands, the seven churches. Cool? Pretty simple. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. You know, So there are a lot of hard workers in here. Would you agree? Jesus sees it, and he says, I'm really pleased, and it really is awesome. And I know that you put up with the pastor, or put up with the, uh, you put up with stuff. And you are learning to put up with each other. In a big family like this, it's pretty difficult, right, to put up with each other sometimes. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very difficult sometimes to deal with. But you know what? I'm growing in that regard because I'm learning to make allowances for your faults because I have them just like you, right? So Jesus knows this. He knows it. He knows how hard a lot of you work and how much more some of you need to be working. <laughs> just kidding. I think they're gone. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But here he is, and like a good coach, anybody ever coach? I coached your nephew. Hard worker, but he did not listen. <laughs> <laughs> give me the coach, give me the puck, coach, I'm going. But he worked hard. But a good coach always, pow, good job. He commends you for what you're doing right, and he gives you a slap on the butt when you're not getting it right. I had a coach, in fact, my wrestling coach I've been talking about, went home to be with Jesus just past this past week. And let me tell you something. If he ever, uh, if it could possibly, primo, if it could be a possibly to be offended by a man who was hard on me, I would have been offended by him. But he did it because he loved me and he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He was able to drag it out. He never would have done that if he'd have been nice all the time. It just wasn't going to happen. So here's Jesus commending, going, oh, I just love this year. Really getting it right. Now, can you imagine being in the home church? You're sitting at a church, 15, 20, 25, and they're going, well, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's like uh, Jesus is getting it right. He's commending us. Because they would have been sitting in a, in a place as this letter was read to them, going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is good. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, well, let's, let's get into it. Uh, a little more, and they're all leaning in because everybody wants to hear the good stuff. If you like to hear the good stuff, raise your hand. Okay. If you like to hear the bad stuff, raise your hand. Uh-huh. If you don't care anything, that's a bigger problem than any of it. If you don't really care, then what's the point? Well, my, my point now, thank you. My point was, if you're always just hearing, you're just doing such an amazing job, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's just not good. It's enabling. I know your works. You're working hard. For me, oh, yeah, you, 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 you planted two churches in here, and, 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 and even we got a second. Now, hold on. Speaking of works, listen to this. We had two chapters originally in, in India. This pertains. Don't throw a squirrel. We had two chapters originally in India, two church plants. It's a big deal planting a church, right? The one kind of left for reasons I won't get into. Um, but he kept the charter because in India you have to have a charter. 
repentance came about. He's been restored. And now the second chapter in India just moved into a building. We know that God did it because we weren't even doing anything. So God knows all this. But here's the challenge for you as Christians and us as leaders, and some of you are leaders. Don't turn the ministry into an idol. Don't turn what you do. You cannot replace the love of Christ and the relationship with what you have in Christ with what you do for Jesus. When you do, you're on a slippery slope that I've slid down numerous times. Oh, Jesus, I'm very busy. In case you didn't notice, we're flying around the world, planning churches and things. I'll get back to you. You work from your salvation. So somebody smart said, who was it? Somebody smart said the whole time he was being propelled and drawn to the cross or drawn to the cross. After salvation, he was propelled from the cross. Drawn to the cross, and then after coming to Christ, he was propelled from the cross. Isn't that great? Wish I would have said it because it's really a neat saying. I don't really have a whole lot of those, but I read a lot of them. Your toil and patient endurance. Give me some examples of patient endurance. You ever have a tough time dealing with the saints? I'm not, not just church. I'm talking about other saints and other, other, other congregations. Right? It, it can be tough. It can wear you out. The sheep bite hard. I can tell you that. I got some to, tell, to, to show you. I have been nipped and nibbled and bit. There's no possible way that we could put up with that if not for the love of Christ. It wouldn't happen. It just couldn't happen, right? So Jesus, and this is happening in the church at Ephesus, he knows there's no possible way you could have this endurance. There's no possible way you could, have, you could toil like you if I weren't working through you. So he's really giving them an attaboy. Way to go. And if you were in that little congregation, you'd be going, oh, right, this is the best meeting ever. We got a letter straight from the heart of Jesus telling us what a great job we're doing. Isn't this amazing? I would think it'd be amazing if I were there. And how you can't bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. False doctrine. For instance, this is your best life now. I'm sorry, that's false. This is not our best life. Our best life is the one coming, not this one. In fact, this one stinks compared to the one we have coming. That's false. You can't do that. You can't put in a dime and expect 10 bucks back. It doesn't work that way. Now, there's a principle, reaping and sowing. That's correct. But you don't, you see what I'm saying? So here, they would have weeded those people out. They spot them pretty quick when they start teaching heresy. And they would have been called them evil because that's what they are. So Jesus, once more, is committing them. Uh, we're talking about Gnosticism, all of this other stuff going on that perhaps maybe there was some revelation given to the big shots that the normal laity people weren't privy to. That's heretical. That's not accurate, right? So they're being exposed, and Jesus is going, I'm just so pow, pow, pow. Way to go. Actually, beyond the shoulder. The pow, pow comes later. Right now, he's doing the shoulder. This is great. I'm just... So this is so wonderful. You're really doing a great job, right? And we all just love to hear that, don't we? Don't you just love what you just did a great job up there? Great message. But here, oh, I don't want to hear that. Or you did a great job at that event. We love to hear that. Nobody wants to hear what's coming. Things we need to work on. Okay, I heard one this morning. I was like, I know when my instructions coming from Lynn. When it's just, um, I need to say this. Do you need to say this or do you want to say this? Because if you need to say this, I need to hear. But if you just want to, can we wait till next time? No, I think we need, okay, okay. Where would we be without good counsel? Somebody that's not willing to share the truth when you maybe don't want to hear it? Now, here's a challenge, too. Some people are so sensitive, you can't share the truth. Jesus even said, I have so much more I want to share with you, but you can't handle it. 
I want to because I think in the long run it'd be better for your instruction, your growth in Christ and getting your growing intimacy with me, but you're so dang sensitive, I can't do it. And there you, it's a bummer. So I said, no, I don't want to hear anything. No, I didn't say that. I said, yes, what was it? I can't remember what it was, but it was true. What was it? We need that. Oh, yes, yes. And okay, yes. Thank you. Well, apparently when I get up to leave the table, I used to have to ask to be excused at my, my table with my dad. But apparently when I get up, I never thought of it before because you never said anything. I leave the table, the chair out. Okay? So I said, wow, I never knew. Yes, I'll put the table, the chair back in. Can I share something with you? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't like, no, no, no. No, I'm just saying since we have this free exchange, <laughs> can I just simply share that... Uh, and, you know, sometimes we got to be careful. Got to be careful because you don't want to go tit for tat. Well, I got something to share with you. Well, I got something to share with you. I got to no, that's not what we're doing. Remember the message? We're going under. I'm submitting. We're both, we're just waltzing through. Let me like, like to share this with you as I share this with you. Remember the waltz? I'm just sharing this with you. Oh, I got. Okay. Wasn't like that, but I said, well, uh, as long as we're sharing this, uh, I've, uh, there's kind of something that uh, maybe you need to hear. Mm, okay, what is it? I said, well, the, the, the linen closet door, I don't like it open. Oh, okay, we'll close it. I said, well, I'll take care of the chair. You take care of the linen closet. Nice little wall, there, Lynn. Right? But don't lose the point in the humor. The point is, be a person that can take it. Because typically, if a person's coming with you to share a hard truth, it's not easy for them either. They probably wrestled half the night with this thing, thinking, I'm either going to hurt this person or they're going to say, deuces, I don't want to hear it. And remember, the scriptures are the mirror. Right? Okay. And right now, we're still in great shape. You're bearing up for my name's sake. Anybody love standing up for Jesus? You know, this church is pretty evangelistic. Right? But I have this against you. <laughs> They're probably going, wah, wah, wah. Well, I got to go to the bathroom. I have this against you. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. I think it's Matthew 22 when Jesus said, these are the most two important commandments. It's a reiteration of something found in Judah, I think, around 5 or 6, it may have been later. But love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And love others as you love yourselves. Two things. And then he goes on to say, everything else hangs on those two things. If you don't think those two things right, forget about the other stuff. Right? A litmus test that I've been thinking about as we leave the church and we have, um, do I love, do I enjoy God like I did at first? Do I enjoy his people like I did at first? I said, no, God, I love you, but I can't stand your people. doesn't work like that. You can't. You have to love God and love his people. Now, if there's something going on there, that you're not enjoying him and not enjoying the people, it's probably a test looking in the mirror going, there's something the matter. And it happens to be my what? I mean, my fault. See what I'm saying? It's a litmus test. If, if, you, if you're dragging your feet to come and be in fellowship with the other sisters and brothers in Christ, if you're dragging in, in worship, you're thinking about what you have to do Monday, now listen, get positive. We all do it a little bit. Grace covers all of that, so just relax, okay? We're still fleshly humans, right? But the object is we should be dying to ourselves more and more and more so the love for God and love for his people are increasing in equal measure, right? So all of a sudden, where they started out doing great, because I said, 
You've abandoned the love you had at church. Another version would say you've abandoned your first love. And I used to think only and target and specifically micro in on my relationship with Christ, but I think it's broader than that. You've lost your love. You don't love like you used to. Remember agape love? I'll throw that a word. Oh, I'm asking real agape love, you know what I'm saying? Got that. Got me some agape. Got me some agape love. It's unconditional. No, that's not what we do in church. We like those that we want to like. We love those that we want to love. We cast the others into the outer darkness. Let somebody else see. That's what we do. We all do it. It's called clicks. That's what it is. This church has it. And Jesus is watching. He knows it all. And you're not going to tell him, well, no. He's going to cut right through it, just like he did here. I know. I know. I know your motive behind this. Your good works, if they have not sprung from a heart of gratitude and love for the Father, are junk. They don't mean deadly squat. In fact, they're filthy rags. That's what the Bible says, right? I know. They're filthy rags. If it's not sprung from a heart of gratitude, of you being saved, compelling you to do the works, and you've somehow flipped it around like you think you've arrived, and these works somehow measure up or make up for your lack of commitment to Christ, your lack of commitment of growing intimacy with Jesus, and you've somehow flipped that, Jesus is holding a grudge against that. It's, it's, it's how it is. And I've been on both sides. Well, like I said, and let me tell you something. When you do that and you live your life that way, it creates bitterness. It creates rivalries and jealousies and all this other stuff, unforgiveness, bitterness. All of the uh, works of the flesh spring from that. And it makes you not nice to be around. I've been there. Thank God that Lynn couldn't leave when she probably wanted to. Right? Because we just get off track. We get off track. But he doesn't leave you hanging there. He doesn't tell us how to get back on track in a minute. Right now, everybody's shoulders in this room are going, wow, in this room too. There should be some people in here going, somehow I got off track. I don't know how it happened. Maybe you started idolizing what you do for the church. Maybe you start idolizing what you do for others. I don't know. Everybody's looking around because we kind of feel like when you're the last supper, was it me? Am I going to do it? Am I that guy? Well, it could be. Remember, we should be looking at the mirror. Don't look at you. Hey, I think it's that guy over there in the corner. I know who it is. He's over there. No, it's supposed to be a turn it around and look at your own life. Just flip that thing around and look at your own life. Understand that he loves you. You're covered with grace. He wants to help you. He wants to you to be better. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Jesus is so awesome. He's awesome. Okay. I will say, works, works are not an enemy of grace. They work together. They, they're working together, like peanut butter and jelly. Or apple butter and bratwurst. I turn those guys on too. It's a very nice, very nice thing. You've abandoned the love you had at first. And going back to what we talked about in the middle. Remember what it was like when you first got saved? You couldn't wait to get to church. Couldn't wait to get to group. Bible study. Whatever you're saying, you couldn't wait to get there. But now in your mind, you've forgotten. You've left your first love. That's what's going on. It's not his fault, their fault, the pastor's fault, the band's fault, this fault. You own it. And if that's you, you need to repent. It is what it is. 
Let's play that song. Before we get into the, what, now listen, I'm going to leave you stew on that in case there's anybody here there. And then we'll show you the way out. I won't show you. Jesus shows you how to get out of that mess because we all get in a mess sometimes. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten a mess. And if your hand is not up, you're lying, and that's a mess. <laughs> Play the song, boys. The Kingsman song. And really pump that up loud. And everybody, you can clap your hands. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. In the summer, it's too hot. In the winter, it's too cold. In the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Well, it's up to the mountains or over to the beach or to visit some old friend. Or just to stay home and relax and hope some of the kin folks will drop in. Well, a headache Sunday morning and a backache Sunday night. But by work time Monday morning, oh, you're feeling quite all right. Well, one of the children has a cold. Pneumonia, do you suppose? Why, the whole family had to stay home. Just to blow that poor kid's nose. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them if in church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. Well, the preacher, he's too young. Maybe he's too old. Those sermons, they're not hard enough. Sometimes they get too bold. His voice is much too quiet-like. Sometimes it gets too loud. He needs to have more dignity, or else he's way too proud. Well, the sermons, they're too long. <laughs> Maybe they're too short. He ought to preach the word now, instead of stomp and snort. Well, that preacher we've got must be the world's most stuck-up man. Well, one of the ladies told me Sunday. Why, he didn't even shake my hand. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them. If from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord. You know, that's a funny song if it weren't true. It'd be a lot funnier if it weren't true. Right? If you, There's a whole nother stanza in the thing. The Kingsmen, excuses. I've heard them. I've used them. But it's accurate. Some people get so offended on the slide. It's just amazing to me. But Jesus is going to give us a way out. Remember from where you have fallen, repent, metanoia, Greek word right off the top of my mind. That's two of them I know. Change your mind and go the other way. Remember where you've fallen. Repent and do the first, do the works you did at first. What did you do at first? Give me some examples of when you first got saved and you just did some stuff. What was it? Just, you know, not everybody was. Cried at the works of the Holy Spirit. It brought tears to your eyes. The, the God of the universe said, I want candy. And he just made you weep. It's amazing. Prayed like crazy. Read like crazy. Couldn't get enough. It was like God was speaking directly to you through this. Oh, that's right. Because he is. Witnessing. Letting go of stupid habits that we're doing. Letting go of bitterness and jealousy and rage and all the other nonsense. Seemed like it just flew off because it did. And over the years, you add a little bit here. You add a little bit here. You add a little. Next thing you know, you're a free person living in shackles again. Right? I remember the first time I really felt that God clearly communicated to me through the Scripture. Kind of a new Christian about the about that time, and probably 94, Katrina was living in Pearl, Mississippi, Bible Belt. We were going down to Florida 
That was 97, with the family. Now, she wanted to come home because she hadn't been home in a while to visit mom and dad. But I'm a busy guy. And we're just not going to be driving that close. You're talking probably two, three hours out of my way. Well, I think of 2 Timothy says, when <laughs> I'm reading, felt good to be saved, clean, praying like crazy, reading the word, weep some time at times. And I read that, okay, he who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. Read that, Len. What's that say? Did that say, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever? Well, son of the gun. <coughs> hey, what's up? Yeah, I well, should be there probably around, I don't know, 5.30 Saturday or whatever. Sounds good. When God told me to do something when, it, for when I first got saved, I did it. I didn't argue with them. He said, let it go. I let it go. He said, go tell somebody about Jesus. I went and told them about Jesus. He said, go and do some, something for me. Okay. Welcome to River Oaks Church. Bye. Welcome to River Oaks. I mean, we did it. Now then you get sophisticated, you see. You get older and you start going, well, you know. Yeah. And then you end up in that place. He's telling us right here, repent and do the things you did at first. If you're reading every day and going to groups, come back. If you got out and spent coffee, coffee time in Jesus. They just seem to go together. Don't they? Preferably Folgers, but whatever. I'm sure he's fine with it. You can have Maxwell House. Pretty lame coffee, I'm telling you. But the Word. Right? We spent time with Jesus. We spent time with His people. You looked at yourself. You kept your eyes off of them. In fact, you recognized there seems to be a large phone pole hanging out of my face. And I think if I concentrate on this, maybe I won't look at the speck. Some of people are going. It was so easy, right? And then, and then the funny thing is, he's the one that cleans us up. He's the one that did it. And we're at this point. But he's saying, go back to it. At first, they got saved, May 1st, 1993. I couldn't believe it. I, I Man, I drugged that old preacher, dude. I drugged him. I was like, just, just, you've heard the story. But when I walked out of there, I was so excited to be with God's people. And they were so weird. <laughs> they're weird. God's people are strange because they're not from here. As we learned in Ephesians, their citizenship is in heaven. They should be different. But I remember going to the tent revival. And uh, everybody's going, oh, we got saved. And they're hugging me. I was like, wow, what's going on? They were just so excited that we gave our life to Christ. And I was excited because they were excited. I was like, you're really kind of freaking me out because I'm not really sure why everybody's so happy because I'm the one who got saved. But you think that's exciting. The party that was going on in heaven because one sinner came home, it's a party, right? So we got to remember that we go back to those days when you got saved. When you're driving around on pushing that cart around, thinking you're there to wheel the painter around up in the rafters, and he wouldn't leave me alone. And I knew there must be something else going on here. But when he shared that with a loved one, that's when the party happened. I'm not talking about anybody under the death penalty, by the way. Remember that day? Let's not forget it. Easy to do. Okay. Years go by. Another year goes by. And you haven't done the things that we, you know, and I'm not talking about you. And if we haven't added to our faith knowledge, haven't added to our faith skill. All of these things, Second Peter tells us exactly the roadmap, Second Peter chapter 1, of what we're to do to make sure you don't fall away. So if that's you, just repent. Go do the things you did at first. Now, here's the bad news. Now, I believe once saved, always saved. I believe in eternal security. But I also believe if you're truly saved, you'll come back. Time will tell. It's not our job to judge. If not, <laughs> I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place 
unless you repent. Now, because I believe in eternal security, I believe you gave your life to Jesus. He actually says nothing can separate you, nothing, if you truly give your life. But here's what's hanging in the balance. I think when we uh, do the things we've been talking about, the bad things, the naughty things that happen, your, your, your light goes out. The light of Christ that's working in your spirit goes out, and you won't be able to find it with two hands. You know what I'm saying? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. But if you let the pilot light go out, you'll be walking in darkness again, even though, and you'll be like, why doesn't, why don't I want to go to church? Why do I want to be with people? Why don't I want to read his word? Why do I not want to be, have anything to do? Because you're walking in darkness, right? Perhaps come to you and remove your lampstand from his place unless you repent. So if you feel like you're kind of, now, let's say this. There are times when you're walking through the desert and you're like, I just don't know what's going on. I'm just not really being an idiot other than being an idiot. I just don't know what's going on. Well, that's, maybe it's just this season. It's called the dark night of the soul. Maybe God's just teaching you something in the darkness. Right? It, it can happen. You learn a lot in the darkness. But you have this to guide you through. You have the Holy Spirit to guide you through. But if you're walking in soup and it's black and you're bitter and you're mad and you repent, repent, maybe God goes, that's what I've been waiting on. It just took a little time. And if I make sense, <laughs> yet I also, yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. There's been arguments since it was written. What was the Nicolaitans? Some people think it, were, it corresponded with the guy found in Acts chapter 6, a Gentile convert crept into the church and perhaps led people into sexual immorality. Some people think that. That would be very bad. But whatever, the, whatever it is, and some people would say that, okay, it has to do with, I um, can't remember that, there's some word, Nicolaitan, power over men, conquer of the laity. Yes. Now, I, I think that's probably a Protestant way of poking at another. Right. It could be. But whatever it is, so you have the bishops, the big shots, and everybody else. But whatever it was, give it that, it was bad. And they didn't stand for it. We believe in the priesthood of the brothers. We're all joint heirs. We're all royal priests, according to what Paul had to say, right? Okay. But whatever it was, it was bad. And another church or two, it had infected them, as we'll find out in the coming weeks. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If this message hits home with you tonight, it's Jesus tugging on your heart, saying it's you. It's not them. It's not him. It's not the church. It's not that. It's you. Repent. Trust me, you would not be the first one who's done that. Okay? If I just take a rock like this, you guys heard it, and I hear old, I don't know, Danny go, ouch! It hit him. It was for him. And he's going, I was going to do that. No, it wasn't. It was a metaphor. Relax. Okay? My point is, don't, don't come on Saturday nights, guys, and walk out of here with a couple jokes, and, and you laugh, you go back to do the same thing. If the Spirit of God is telling you to repent because you've been an idiot, and you've been bitter and all of these things, and, you're not, and you've left your first love, get right. Because he tells you exactly what's going to happen. He's going to come take the lampstand away. And I don't know what that means, but it's not good. It's not good. Who wants to walk around in darkness when we have the light of the world residing in us? We are the light of the world, the city on a hill. How can you be if he comes and removes your lampstand because you left your first love? You can't do it. I've been that guy. You don't want to do it. I didn't see anything. Nothing to see here. He who has an ear and eyes, <laughs> let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
to the one who conquers. I will grant to eat the tree of life. You know what that means? Eternal life. Which is in the paradise of God. You can go back to Genesis chapter 2 and read a little bit about the tree of life. Jesus restored it. Jesus is our tree of life. Hallelujah. All right? Everybody good? You feel like going back and really remembering that day you got saved? And just thinking, ah, you know what? How about here's a prayer? I just thought of this. Thank you, Jesus. Ask God to take you back. The psalmist says, take me back to the joy of my salvation. Just ask God to take me back to that day when you were like, man, I just can't believe you saved me. I, I take, ask God to do it, and he will. That's what he wants. He, he will take you back to that day when you were an idiot. I was an idiot. Lynn was really an idiot. Marrying an idiot. She got a double idiot. Ask him to take you back to the joy of your salvation and recognize that maybe you have left your first love. Maybe you have left love in general. It's just... It's leaked out. It's You got off track, or you started making ministry an idol, or you started making your husband an idol, or your uh, Ask God to help you, brother. That's the point. Ask God to help you. He'll show you, take you back, take him back to what it was like, you know, when I was an idiot. And don't glory in it. Just say, and I think God will answer that prayer. It's what he wants to do. That's why all through the Old Testament, they p- made little altars, because we're apt to forget that God did amazing things. Go put a bunch of stones in the Jordan River because you're apt to forget. Twelve stones in the Jordan River. All these little markers along your life, maybe when you got off alcohol, maybe when you got off dope, maybe when you got out of jail, maybe when you didn't kill your husband, maybe when you stabbed him and you didn't kill him. I don't know. That, that could happen. Just saying. Right there's a miracle, right? She missed a major artery. God was looking out for you beforehand. Pete, we look after you actually. So whatever. So, guys, you're going to like this new series. I think it's going to be fun. Oh, we have a guest speaker coming in for Christmas. Yes, Christmas message, Mr. Earl. Now, now, will you be giving the message or Corporal Mitzi? Okay. Hopefully the Holy Spirit is telling Corporal Mitzi to tell him. How would that work? We don't want to hear from Earl. But anyway, now listen close. Now, it's going to come out 5 o'clock. Christmas Eve, we're doing the service because we recognize people have stuff to do in the evenings. So we don't want anybody showing up at 6. Now, the special table are hunting, so they're not here. So you guys are going to help us remind every week, coming up to Christmas, we're going to have a Christmas service at 5 o'clock. Not 6, 5. Yes? We've tried that. It doesn't seem to work. We put them on the door. We have boards. We have PowerPoint. We have all of these things. And wow, dude, when did you guys get a radio show? It's already done. You meant yes. Christmas would be the. Are you being funny? Yes, twenty-five. Are you trying to trip me up here? It's the twenty-fifth. I think it's twenty-fifth every year. I'm not sure. It lands on Saturday. Of course, I knew that. I was testing you. I was looking at the Jewish calendar. Okay, just kidding. Whatever. It's Saturday the 24th. Five, thank you. Five o'clock. Next week, we're going to do the Thanksgiving thing. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's mandatory. You guys all be here. And Jonathan. So we're going to close. Um, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. We all get off track from time to time. But we don't want to stay off track. Jesus just gave you the roadmap on how to come back. It's very simple. Repent and come home. Right? We keep him first. First. Jesus. Jesus. Now, I will say, in the past, and I'm going to land the plane with this, I've gotten off track. Even though it was ministry, then Jesus, and then you guys, 
and then my family. I can honestly say now Jesus is first and then the family. Second, everything else underneath that. When you get those two things right, the rest falls into place. You can't get them flip-flopped. Father God, thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that you are our all in all. We thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us here alone, that you gave us the Holy Spirit, Lord, that resides inside of us. I pray that we would continue to keep the fires burning, Lord, to add to that faith every day. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and without faith it's impossible to please God. So, Lord, increase our faith. We pray that you protect us, Lord, protect this church, protect our marriages, protect uh, those on the outside tonight, Lord, that might be a little under the weather. We pray for all the deer hunters and deer uh, that you would keep the deer hunters safe while they're deer hunting. And we just uh, thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. And pray for Annette, absolutely.